Hey everyone, welcome to Crypto Risk Officer. This episode is still on episode seven, so we are splitting into different parts. So this time uh, we're going to do a part two, and the focus again is looking at the critical failures of the controls of FTX. The two topics we want to highlight is first topic is the financial control records that they failed really badly due to no records and their kind of controls uh, along bookkeeping records. They were using a very light version of accounting tools, which mostly used for semi or small, medium-sized enterprise, which is called QuickBooks. Uh, it's not for the purpose of the multi-million dollar company as FTX was. And the second record is on uh, operational uh, controls, which would be deemed as uh, one of the key controls in terms of monitoring uh, withdrawals and uh, having uh, key risk indicators as such. So let's let's dive down into the the kind of the failure of uh, FTX on on these two aspects. So as for previous record, uh, I think. Uh, from all, all the public information, there is records saying that the, the FTX uh, in Bahamas, uh, their record keeping was absolutely poor and absent. So for example, there were some examples that people were putting their expense approval. There was emoji on, on those. But for financial control, we want to uh, give the listener, what is a standard practice of financial controls? So um, let me pause here and I'll let uh, Cliff to chime in into this. Thanks, uh, Robbie. And actually, uh, it's interesting that I heard from the news previously and what you mentioned that the FTX use uh, QuickBooks to as an accounting to to record their uh, financial record because I remember when when I worked in as an uh, intern as a very small CPA firm uh, other than bookkeeping and auditing they are selling this kind of QuickBooks uh, to to some uh, small medium size uh, uh, very small companies maybe just. Uh, few persons there or, or at most 50 persons there for, for this uh, kind of company. So I, I cannot uh, imagine after such big company using QuickBooks to account for their financial records. It's funny, actually. And what uh, to echo uh, what Robbie said about the financial controls, I, I remember when, when I was working in one of the big four in uh, some risk advisory uh, consulting at that time when, as you guys when remember around 2001, there is an energy company, Enron, that the, and at the old days, Anderson, uh, Arthur Anderson, one of the big five at that time, uh, yes. some kind of collude with the energy company, Enron, to do some, uh, what we call creative accounting or actually 
some fortunate financial records. So yes, and because of that, uh, we we comes a later article Sabine's Osley, uh, source are at four four, so that most of the U.S. listed uh companies need to do some uh work regarding this source for for that is for whatever controls that within the firm from funds middle to back that impacting their financial statements in terms of for example the balance sheet the the, the balance sheet that is a record to record your assets liabilities and equities and also the income statement, profit and loss statement that uh, we call the revenue income, the, the we call the expenses side. So whatever controls you can think of that could link back to this kind of financial statements uh, uh, in terms of what we call in the accounting jargon, like whether uh, there are some occurrence for those records or whether those assets are complete, really, or, or really exist their existence. So, so this kind of things we, we need to uh, make sure that we, we document some uh, what we call risk and what we call the controls to make sure that those controls can make sure that our uh, financial statements are accurate enough. Yes, I, yeah. I I remember that really right. So so I uh when I was back uh in the olden days uh in HSBC uh on a quarterly basis we had to do uh, this assertion and make sure we get confirmation by accountants that you know these ones are uh are reviewed and and any kind of um particular uh documents or or issues we need to raise those. And at that time, my manager say that, oh, you, you know, we, we need to check this properly. And now I need to sign this. So if, if I misinstate this, I, I'm the one who will go to jail, he said. So, so, so this is very important document. So, so I was being advised by, by him at that time. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, uh, a basic, uh, very important controls although i although not every companies needs to be compliant with source because you you may not be listed in uh, us or you may not have uh, much operations in the us but i i think the uh the the objective of that uh source for for is very good actually in terms of uh every firms should make sure that their financial statements are backed by a very robust controls because you you cannot always just uh check every invoice and to to validate the the financial statements in terms of the balance sheet and and uh, uh PNL. You you really actually when when the external auditors comes to audit your financial statements, you need they they need to have some walkthrough of the controls, testing of your controls, whether it is effective or not, so that they can do some sampling on on the financial statement closing process and, and then uh, to to give a clean opinion or the opinion on your financial statements. So so yeah, it's very key, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly what what you're talking about. So previously we mentioned about a strong governance. So the strong governance about the three lines of defense. So uh, in this aspect, if we put into the finance, uh, financial parts, there's also a three lines of defense. So basically you think of that there is uh, accountants or analysts are, are making sure the books or records are, are done properly. Then you have a, uh, risk management or or what you call in big banks is like a financial controller or or it could be a product controller. These are like your second line of defense to review and challenge the respective books and records and making sure uh, your estimated PNL and your forecast PNL is is aligned. And uh, and then you have your third um, part, which we uh, Cliff mentioned that internal auditor or external auditor. So like big force, uh, like Price, uh, Waterhouse Cooper, the Deloitte, so forth. So when they want to come in and check, they will look at every single transaction and make sure that you be able to extract this. So uh, again, um, just drilling down this particular. Um, important of expense and records. So if your expense and record has been documented uh, fully, so it will make sure the controls are valid. Because uh, if we look at this expense record, it could open to another types of risk. So a lot of risks and expenses, uh, for example, gift and entertainment, uh, this is a very big uh, risk controls. Uh, which is basically being rolled out from the ABC from uh, from UK anti bribery corruption law. Uh, so where companies they have uh, have entities embedded with UK, they need to comply with this law. So that means any kind of bribery or corruption that's been detected, those will need to get investigated. So as you imagine that. Um, most of our experience came, came from big, big banks. So, so there's a lot of controls related to how uh, investment bankers go out to entertain their clients, uh, obviously, or have uh, high-end restaurants or, or gift entertainment. They will need to do their sanity checks and making sure that these get listed, uh, the amount of dollars or gift, then certain amount they will need to get approved by compliance. So it's a whole big uh, record keeping and also control in terms of expenses. So for FTX, uh, with the lack of record, that's a definitely no-no uh, as a bare minimum. And not even saying that this, this controls checks and third line defense embedded in the FTX group. Uh, so, so, so that is one point that we want to highlight. That's from the finance show control points. Let's let's move into the operational controls. What what is the best practice uh, of operation controls? Uh, I'll give a few cents of the key controls of matching your books and records. That is one of the controls that most banks will will dive in. For example, uh, reconciliations. So that means your withdrawal and your deposit, there should be bookkeeping record and should matches back to your financial statements that uh, money coming in and coming out. So those process is, there's daily process and also there's controls reconciliation of uh, matching through your blo uh, blockchain versus the record. So in the absence of FTX moving funds to Alameda and so forth, I'm sure that 
the, the lack of reconciliation was not there. Uh, if reconciliation is done properly, these kind of signals or red flags will definitely have big breaks and will be flagged into the different teams, that's for sure. Uh, let, let me pause here. So I'll let uh, Cliff add in some, some flavor of traditional banking of what's good look like for operational controls. Yeah, um, to, to echo what uh, Robbie has just said, I think uh, in terms of the reconciliation, um, maybe in, in the um, banking or, or financial firms world, for, for the cash and cash balance part for, for a firm, I, I think uh, the, the bank reconciliation part is very important because you could make sure that whether uh, those differences uh, between the bank statement and your internal records of the cash and bank balances are uh, how much and then um, the finance can know uh, what the uh, differences are what they uh, comprises uh, uh, the components of them is very important so that you whenever there are some breaks you cannot explain it may be a red flag that okay maybe some cash are misappropriate or or some cash are missing out so so you need to dig down to to see what what happened inside and also for the exercise for example for for a crypto firm like this in FTX, i think a proper controls for those tokens on on their hand. Or of course, FTX the tokens. Uh, I heard from the news that most of the tokens collateral are FTT token. But but in a crypto firm, I think usually their crypto assets maybe uh is composed of various uh different tokens. So when they have their workers. For, for those tokens, they may need to map to the uh, underlying blockchain at, uh, uh, information. Maybe some are on hot wallet, maybe some are on cold wallet, something like that. So maybe likely, maybe operation side, there are some teams to cover that part. Of course, it depends on which crypto firm decides maybe sometimes this kind of things may be done by financing. It really depends. And so it, it will be also a uh, validation of the existence of the uh, crypto assets. What, what I mentioned, one of the financial controls before that uh, existence of an asset is uh, also very important to validate whether the assets you mentioned on the balance sheet are accurate exist okay so so that that's important yeah yeah we'll be... so mm. so so in terms of cash flow you, you need to monitor your cash flows and and obviously you need to forecast the the amounts of money is going to get uh withdrawn so so in terms of that record so uh as cliff mentioned that hot wallets and cold wallets so for most crypto, we would expect they will store them in cold wallets. 
Well, however, uh, it's very cumbersome. If you store it in cold wallets, then you need to move it into hot wall hot wall wallets. So so that means there will be uh, a limited of hot wallets will be present uh, at any point of time because people would withdraw and uh, deposit. So uh, in terms of the funding uh, percentage uh, in the industry, I'm I. I imagine the industry is probably less than 10%, but they will keep on hot wallets and the rest of them will, will be 90% uh, or, or more into the cold wallets for, for securities, uh, just to manage the kind of the daily cash flow. So there is a reconciliation that needs to be done on a daily basis, which align back to the financial controls. So for a proper setup and making sure the controls are effective, there, there should be oversight of, you know, uh, head of uh, oversight person in charge, there should be uh, enough uh, amount of people with the relevant tools that they use to, to make sure these controls exist. And, and when we say that three lines of defense, there's always three lines of defense. So there's a maker checker, um, like a four eyes. Uh, uh, so so basically one person key in, one person uh, approved. So, so this is a very standard control for most traditional banks. And depending on the automations, some of them can be automated uh, with a flag and then uh, someone will approve by another click of a button. So, so it's all depending on, on, on the kind of tools that they use. But however, these banks, are, these due controls uh, should be in place for all operations and also finance the same. Um, people are key, key, keying some, some some invoice review and someone approve it. So, so there is, should be oversight uh, of that in all cases, not like FTX with uh, emoji, that's, that's, that's a final done deal that's been approved. So all in all, uh, I guess this chapter, um, part two, it's, it's a very deep dive on, on these two aspects. And we just want to share with our audience that, um, in order to establish a fully crypto exchange, uh, all of these relevant basic bread and butters kind of controls need to be adhered to. So in order to get the license uh, in most of those jurisdictions, they are actually going to get re regulated. So, so another word that previously I think there is a lot of cowboys. So, so just generally people don't know what the controls are like. And I guess now there's more institutional coming into the place. So hopefully this ecosystem will be more safer and secure. And, and that is one of our purpose, uh, myself and and the guys, uh, Cliff and, and previously, uh, Prap, is we just want to share our experience um, to the audience and and i guess this episode part two i think uh we we pretty much completed uh for now cliff you got any final comments um uh one final comment i i want to add is that uh, actually when, when we talk about the operational controls remember that what we call operational controls maybe some of the times that some uh, audience may think, oh, is is regarding uh, <clears throat> only under operations department or, or, or something that are very uh, uh, manual controls things. 
And and I think uh, this kind of what we call operational controls actually uh, not necessary only related to what being done within the uh, operations. Some of the time when when I saw uh, when I saw in previous uh, banks that uh, I work for actually even under the IT team, the technology team, where whenever there are some uh, manual processes within the IT, for example, they need to edit some rules or delete some rules or source codes. It is some kind of manual things on the back end on the system. They, they need to delete it, edit it. So they also need uh, what Robbie mentioned the segregation of duty that is a, that there is a uh, maker checker controls to make sure that the what's edited or removed it from the source codes are correct. So in the past, I noticed some operational risk incidents happened just because there was no checker or the checker did not check it correctly. So the errors uh, pops up. So, so I think it's very important to uh, remember that the operational controls remained for every functions, front, middle, back office. Yeah, that, that's what I want to say. Great, thanks. Thank you for your input. Uh, looking forward to for our next episode. Um, uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you all. Thank you, bye. bye.